Hey everyone, Sam Shaw from Wall Street Mastermind here. Um, back today with another client interview for you guys. Today I have um, Harrison with us. I'm very excited to uh, be talking to him. Um, he just finished up his summer 2021 recruiting process uh, as a non-target school student. And so I want to get him on here and talk to you guys because I know a lot of you out there are also non-target students and I'm sure uh, you're probably stressing out about how to recruit for investment banking, and uh, I think, you know, hopefully he'll be able to share some uh, useful insights with you guys that you can benefit from. So, Harrison, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, happy to be here. Awesome, man. Um, to start, maybe if you don't mind, just kind of giving people a quick introduction of, you know, who you are and what type of candidate you, you were when you first started this process. Yeah, so I come from a non-target school. So obviously at a pretty large disadvantage there, um, almost not going to get interviews. So I knew if I wanted to do investment banking, it was going to be a huge commitment of my time, uh, essentially sacrificing a year of my school uh, or of my um, life outside of school, I should say. And I would say, you know, coming from non-target, I have a lot of time that I can spend outside of academics as well. And then so in clubs, I was involved on a sports club team. I was part of a musical group. And I was also part of some entrepreneurial stuff on campus in addition to uh, doing schoolwork. So it was a pretty busy schedule. Um, and I knew I was going to have to make sacrifices coming in, but I decided on pursuing it anyway. Got it. And so you, you say you go to a non-target school. Do any banks actually come on campus for you guys? So for us, uh, the only bank that has been recently coming on campus for us has been Deutsche Bank. We recently had someone promoted to MD who's an alum there. Besides that, we have not a single bank that comes on campus. Um, we have banks that come on campus, but it's not for banking. It's typically, you know, like audit and tax, um, accounting, things like that. So Got it. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's a non-target school except for DB. Understood. Um, so sounds like when you first started and so i mean you found this i think in november of your sophomore year right so it was like yeah. early on in your sophomore year had you already been recruiting for investment banking or at least preparing for recruiting leading up to that on your own or was that kind of the very start or very beginning of your recruiting preparation process yeah, uh, I didn't even know the word investment banking freshman year. It was pretty recent. Uh, I would say start of sophomore year. I was like, so what do I actually want to do with my life? And then I kind of discovered investment banking as a path. Uh, but, you know, was honestly going in and out of the commitment. Didn't even start networking, even though that's kind of the first step. There's no point in preparing for interviews if you don't network. You're not going to get an interview. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I basically just started recruiting a little bit. And then I found Wall Street Mastermind. Um, and the, yeah, that's kind of where I found it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think at the time, I remember it was pretty early for you. You had, um, I think you had just started maybe trying to learn the technicals through Adventist or something, right? And then, <laughs> and then uh, I think, like, I asked you about if you had any interview experience. And I think maybe you had had, like, one interview with, Verizon or something, but that was it. It was, there was like nothing super relevant to banking. Was that right? Am I, am I recalling that? Yeah. Yeah. I was at that time I was trying to lock in software so I can focus on, you know, junior recruiting. 
Um, so yeah, at that time I was trying to lock in a sophomore finance internship. Got it. Okay, so you didn't have you had some clubs and stuff on your resume, but you didn't have a finance internship yet. You were trying to get your first one. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. So then, like, what made you what made you want to join Wall Street Mastermind like right away? Because I, I feel like we get two types of candidates. Um, some people they come to us after they've struggled on their own already and failed and then they're like ah, i can't figure this out so let me go get some help and then some people um they just want to get help from the get-go which obviously i think is a smarter thing to do but like what how did you kind of evaluate this opportunity or this decision to like join wall street mastermind like what was going through your head yeah i mean <clears throat> from a non-target you got to start early uh if you start the same time as targets you're just not you're just on a different playing field because they're targets right yeah um so that after my mind it was just i had to start as soon as possible uh and i think another big thing is when you say you start like what are you actually going to do and that takes time to figure out as well to plan out and all the steps you need to do mm -hmm. and I, that's why i joined wall street mastermind you skip that entire step i know everything i need to do now now it's just about putting in the hours. And if I can't do it then, then that's just, I wasn't cut out for banking, right? If you can't even go through the recruiting process of banking, put in the time for that, then you couldn't do the job, which is even more time. Uh, so that was my mindset. I was like, all right, I'm gonna join this program. And if I can't do it, that's on me. I can't come back and say, oh, I didn't get banking. I could have done this. I could, no, no excuses. And that was kind of my mindset. Um, and that's how I joined. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So basically, it sounds like what you were looking for was more of like a roadmap for, Hey, what are all the things I need to do? And let me map out the best game plan possible. So then all I have to do is go and execute on it. And <clears throat> if I can't execute on it or if I execute on it and I don't get the outcome, at least I know I've basically exhausted all my options. Like I've taken my best shot at it as opposed to, if I don't take my best shot at it from the get-go and maybe I come back later, that only hurts your chances as a non-target school student because then you're falling even more behind and then you don't want to have to wonder, oh, what would things be different had I just started earlier? Is, is that kind right. of No, exactly. Definitely. Yep. Okay. Yeah, man, I think that's a – I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that logic. I think the the thing with – investment banking recruiting nowadays that just makes it so crazy. It's just how early things are starting. Right. And it was early for your year <clears throat> and now for the year below you, it's, or it's even starting even earlier, which is like RBC opened their application yeah. in September, yeah. which like, I was like, what is that about? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. But like, but the fact that it's starting so early, um, it's like the, the 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 later you start, the fewer opportunities there are left. And then so we always tell people it's not like we can't help you if you come back later or you know, if you want to try on your own and see if it works, chances are most likely the odds are stacked against you just given how selective it is. But if it doesn't work and you want to come back later, we may or may not still be able to help you. But even if we do help you, the results that we're going to be able to get for you is probably going to be worse, almost always going to be worse than if we started with you right away. Right. I mean, it's just, 
we have more time to help you. And there are still more firms that are available for you to interview with, as opposed to you wait for all the best firms to fill up first. And then you come back to us and ask us for help. Yeah, we can help you, but you know, there's less options. Right. And so I agree. It's like for something as important as your career, you know, it's why not just kind of like maximize your chances from the get go. Cause it's not something, it's not something trivial, you know, it's not like, it's something that has long-term ramifications on, on your career basically. Right. And so you just want to, you know, get off on the, on the best footing as, as much as possible. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. So then, so you came in November uh, of sophomore year. I think your year, November was when RBC also was the first happened, but that was when they posted their application. And so that was like kind of summer 2021 officially kicking off. But you know, yeah. you're probably still, I would say on the early side, relative to probably a lot of your classmates, you probably weren't thinking about it yet. And so you came in, what did you, like, what did you do during your time in the program? Because, like, obviously you talk about this roadmap and game, game plan. Like, can you give people a high-level uh, idea of what that roadmap looked like for you specifically? Yeah. I mean, before you start anything, you really have to have a bigger picture of everything you need to do. And so for me, um, it was hard to focus on the typical things people think about Oh, behaviorals and technicals for banking uh, interviews, because I know when I apply to Goldman, it's going to be uh, an automatic reject. And so it seemed counterproductive to even prepare for interviews when you don't have any referrals. And I think the roadmap not only showed everything you need to do, but in the correct order. Like first, we're going to put that resume uh, correctly, like it needs to look good um, or presentable. It doesn't have to be insanely good. It doesn't really make a difference. It just can't be bad. And then immediately start networking. Like there's no reason to prepare for interviews if you're not networking. And then after that, then we go into, okay, what are we going to prepare for on the interview side? And I think it makes sense that you prepare behaviorals before technicals because you're going to need some of those behaviorals in your networking, right? People are going to ask you, why are you interested in investment banking? Why, why this group? Oh, like what do you read about the markets? Um, and so all the order of the robot makes sense as well. And I think the best part is, um, Sam, he, he really puts in the exact time you need for everything as well. Uh, and these are very detailed, um, like videos and, and help that you can get. It's not some PDF with some bullet points. Uh, and all in all, if you ever need any help, you can go to him. He, he's available to you 24 seven. So, um, I, I like that flexibility. Um, I think a lot of people who use the guides, uh, they memorize the answers. And people say, don't just memorize the answers, learn more. And then people are like, so I'm going to learn more. But they, they literally can't, like, well, what's the resource they have? But you can just ask Sam and he's right there. He'll explain it all to you. Yeah, no, that's great. And so <clears throat> I think one thing you're talking about there is the importance of having the right order of operations, basically, which... I actually find, I mean, that sounds very simple when you say it like that, but uh, I find that a lot of the candidates, that's actually the mistake that they make is they're doing things out of order, right? I feel like, for example, the most common thing for a lot of people to do is like, let me study all the technicals. Let me go memorize all the, uh, you know, 400 questions in, in, in the guides and memorize all the answers. 
And then <clears throat> they're not doing any of the things they need to do to actually even be able to land the interview, for example. Right. And it's, a, it's like, first of all, why are you memorizing all these answers? You didn't get any interviews or you're not going to get any interviews. Right. And then because they're not doing the networking or they don't have a good resume or they're missing all these other things that are like even the more foundational stuff. Right. Um, and then to your point, too. People that just memorize the guys, like even even if and when they do get interviews, they usually don't pass the interviews, right? Because, <clears throat> I mean, you've been through these interviews now. How how often would you say you actually got questions that were just straight out of the guides, like questions that where you could have just memorized the answers and you would have been able to ace their interview like did that happen often or did that happen at all um i mean i think people who interviewers who would ask that question give you like 10 seconds to answer but they're not going to do those 10 second answers and questions like 100 times in a row for a total minutes of 30 minute interview right they're gonna do a <laughs> if you actually memorize some stuff in the guide and then they'll ask legit questions um you know so like even just for comps like it's, they don't ask oh what multiples would you use they're like all right, start from the beginning. You're making a public comp. How do you value company with this public comp? Give me all the information you would need and where to find it, go. Like that's not in the guide, right? Uh, and, and I think when you have a comprehensive overview of the comp that Sam has in his um, informational uh, resources, like you'll just know that, right? It's not even, oh, I have to improv and kind of guess. No, you, you know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, the way I like to describe it is like, I think maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, the interviews were a lot easier to be honest. So they keep getting harder every year. Right. And the reason it was easier back then was, um, it all just depends on how your competition is doing. Right. At the end of the day, what the interviewers need to do is they have to be able to figure out how you stack up against the rest of your competition. Now, 10 years ago, you know, or back when I first graduated, if you if all you did was memorize the guides, you were already ahead of everyone else because back then the guides were like a very new thing. Like not everyone was doing that. And then so you're 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 already that's already good enough for you to separate yourself from the competition. We fast forward to 2020, everybody has the guides, right? Like everybody has read them, everybody is memorizing them. If the interviewer just asks you the exact same questions that are in the guides, it actually doesn't really tell them anything because everyone's going to know those answers. So, so now they're asking you more open-ended questions, like more application type questions where, you know, like the example you just gave, <clears throat> that's not a question that's in the guide. Right. And, and look, the, the problem with the guys is they're never going to be, they try, they try, they try their best to be as comprehensive as possible, but it's literally impossible to write out every single question you could ever possibly get asked. Right? Like there's just the, 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 the guy would have to be thousands of pages, you know? And, and so, um, that's just like a, in my mind, it's like to brute force memorize everything. It's a very silly way to do it. So like we try to teach you everything conceptually and from like an application basis so that if you know how to apply the concepts, then it's not about memorization anymore. It's like, whatever questions they throw at you, you have a conceptual understanding. And so you can kind of think on the fly and, and, and adapt. Right. And that's, that's really the key to 
succeeding in technical interviews, which again, sounds simple, but it's hard to learn it to the degree of where it's like becomes application knowledge when you're trying to teach yourself everything, right? It's like, how do you teach yourself something that you're not an expert at yet? It's really, really hard. Yeah, definitely. Right? It's like learning a foreign language. You can't teach yourself a foreign language and then all of a sudden you're fluent in speaking the language. It wouldn't work, right? You have to go learn from like a native who's from that country and, you know, speaks the language naturally, like fluently. Like it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing for, for accounting and finance, really. Um, and so, I mean, like you, you talked about, I think the other thing that you mentioned when you, when you told me you got the offer was that, uh, that I thought was really interesting was <clears throat> we have these mock interviews um, in our modules where you can quiz yourself on uh, on the different technical questions and and then we actually demonstrate how we answer these questions so that you can kind of see if there's a difference between how you're doing it and how how I'm I'm doing it right and you you said that you basically listen to that stuff on repeat over and over again. Is that right? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, you know, obviously secured a banking job without Wall Street Mastermind. It's not impossible, right? But you could even argue those same people, if they did Wall Street Mastermind, they could have possibly gotten better offers. Why? Because they're more efficient. Uh, and I think a lot of people, when they picture, oh, I got to figure out my technicals. Oh, let me learn a paper LBO. They're imagining, all right, I got to sit down and spend hours. I spent less than five hours sitting down learning technicals, and I learned them all because I spent a year, every time I'm in the car, I'm listening to a mock interview. And I think that's a step that people uh, can't take in terms of efficiency because uh, they don't have that resource. And I did. I had everything downloaded offline. Um, I'm uh, on a bus for classes. I drive around anytime, even going on vacation on the plane. I, I went to China over winter break, whole like whole plane ride. If I was up, I listened to it because that, that means when I'm not transport, when I'm not on transportation, I can actually enjoy my life or do something other than technicals. Mm -hmm. um, and I think most people don't have the opportunity. That is so smart, man. So you just used the Kajabi app or something, and they allow and they allow. Well, so I used Google Drive. Um, when you had it on the files and I just ah. made files offline. So I had, I mean, there were videos, but I just wouldn't look at the video. I just like, listen. Right. Um, yeah. I just, so many <laughs> downloaded videos and just listened to all of them. Right. That's smart, man. So basically th that's a really good piece of advice, by the way. It's just like, how do you leverage your time better? Because to your point, like the name of the game is efficiency, right? Like again, to go back to the fact that just recruiting starts so early now. And then as students, not only do you guys have to worry about your grades in school, you also got to join these clubs. You got to do these internships. You got to network with a bunch of bankers. You got to learn all the interviews. And then on top of that, hopefully you ideally still want to have some social, some form of social life. Right. And so there's just all these different priorities that are competing for your time. And so how do you, maximize what you can squeeze out of your the 24 hours that you have in a day because at the end of the day you're basically competing against everyone else that's in the same graduating class as you 
and you guys all have 24 hours in a day and who can get the most done in those 24 hours like who can check the most boxes on this list of these this list of things that i just listed right um and so you you basically took all the downtime that you had where you couldn't you couldn't do anything else and you just put it towards like interview prep or you know listening to these trainings and then that way like when you when, when you um when you're not like you know in a car or on a plane or whatever you're freeing up more time to work on the other things that you need to work on yeah definitely even just walking to class the 10 minutes um i play 10 minutes to class 10 minutes back i'm telling you if you guys do this like actually daily where you're not spending a single time sitting down doing this but you're always listening in your free time it's just it, it gets ingrained in your brain like people when someone says walk me through an lbo I just already know the answer. Like I've heard it too many times. Yeah. That's amazing. And so outside of that, outside of just like leveraging your downtime, you're saying you only had to spend maybe five hours total learning the technicals. Yeah. And that was more like maintenance hours. Like, all right, what did I just listen to? Um, all right, what am I going to listen to like tomorrow or have I finished this? And then, um, and I even after listening to it all, I would write down on Google doc, I list out all the questions and then this was near when interviews be started um, when it just started. So I was done my technicals at that point and I would just type up all the answers to all the questions and I like knew like 80% of them. Um, that was my first time actually sitting down for technicals just because I've listened to it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very, very smart, man. That's amazing. Um, so we talked about kind of your technicals, um, and so that part makes sense. Like, what else did you kind of get out of Wall Street Mastermind? Like, what else do you feel like um, helped you in terms of the recruiting process? Yeah, definitely. Um, beyond the technicals and efficiency, I think just having that resource uh, there for you, like, let's say there's something uh, like a story you want to tell. You don't know if it's like too annoying for the interviewer, it's too long or too short. Let's say something about talking about a deal. A lot of these abstract things, how's a guide going to help you with that? Like they say, oh, talk about a deal in healthcare industry. And you write up this script. Who's going to help you? Like no one's going to, like, but Sam can, literally you can send it to him and he can help you. Uh, and again, these questions all seem abstract. Like, what do you think about the markets? We think about the deal, things like that. But he breaks it down where it's no longer abstract. It's like quantitatively, like you need this, this, and this. Like, Explain the deal. What are the financials of the deal? Your opinion on the deal. Have three follow-up questions. Typically, what do you think about the valuation of the deal? Do you think it's a good deal for the company? Like, literally, there's only so many follow-up questions and ways you can answer this question that it can't be summarized. It's not just abstract, like, oh, my God, they can ask anything. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the biggest resource. Right. So what you're talking about there is uh, on the technical side of things, it's more about helping you learn everything more efficiently, but on the behavioral side of things is a different challenge because that's not just a matter of spending more time refining your answers. It's more about, Hey, your answer, you have your answers for the behaviorals, but it's so open-ended and it's not like there's an answer key that you can look at an interview guy that says, yes, Harrison, you're, your answer for tell me about yourself is correct. Ding, 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 ding. Like, and so like, how do you get, how do you get feedback on whether the answer you come up with is actually what the bankers are looking for? 
essentially. And then so having that feedback loop where you know exactly like exactly what you're doing well and what you're not doing well. And if you know there's something you're not doing well, what you can improve, that's the most valuable piece on the behavioral side, basically. Yeah, definitely. And and I think a lot of people um, believe that they can, you know, look over their own answer or even ask a friend who's secured an offer, which demonstrates their credibility. But ultimately, like Sam sees the most, right? He sees who interviews, he sees who gets what's offered. He's the one who helped them with their answers. If he's continuously getting people offers, he probably knows more than, than that friend who uh, got a banking offer, you know, like it's just also just a better um, resource uh, to look over the answers. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, on the behavioral side, you're absolutely right, by the way. A lot of it was like, well, no, no, I like, I can just, you know, look over my own answers uh, or I can have an upperclassman who got an internship, you know, a year before me, have them look over my answers. Um, you could do all of those things. Right. And I think the challenge with looking over your own answers is you came up with those answers on your own. So most likely you're not going to see what's wrong with them or else they wouldn't really be your answers. Right. So unless you're the type of person who says, my answers are already perfect from the get go, which I don't really care who you are. Like most likely that's not going to be the case. Right. Cause it's really, really hard to do that. Um, and then like in terms of the upperclassmen, like, yeah, you're right. Like they've gone through the recruiting process one time, but, and they know what answers they use and what work for them. And so they're definitely more qualified than you are. Um, but what worked for them just worked for them, right? Maybe, it'll, maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it won't. Chances are you're a totally different candidate from that person. And like, it's not like you, you guys are going to have the exact same stories and the exact same examples and, you know, exact same everything. Right. So that's why it's like, if you want to be more accurate or with your assessment or more scientific about how you approach this, ideally you want a larger sample size of data to compare yourself against. Right. And that's really how we do. It's like, you talked about how, Hey, you know, for a stock pitch, we told you like the exact elements that you need to include in your answer. And what are the follow-up questions that might come up for that question? The way we came up with that is because we've had hundreds of clients go through these interviews already. And our clients tell us all the time what kind of questions they got asked during these interviews. Right. And then so we can pretty much one predict what are the questions and the follow up questions that are likely to get asked. And so you don't have to guess. And then secondly, in terms of like, what are all the elements that you need to include? Like we basically gave you frameworks, right? We're not telling you what to say for the answers, but we're giving you frameworks for like, Hey, make sure you include these things and make sure you do it in this order. And that's a, that gives you the structure that you need. And the way we came up with that same thing, like we've had hundreds of clients go through the process. We seen all their answers. Like you said, we also see what offers they ended up getting or not getting. And then we can just basically do pattern recognition on, Hey, what do all the best answers have in common? Like, okay, these people all did really well. Let's look at their answers side by side. What do they all have in common? Okay. That allows us to basically figure out what exactly are these bankers looking for? Right. Cause most of the time when people struggle with behaviorals is like, they know what they're going to say, but they're not really sure if that 
matches what the bankers actually want to hear, right? And that's where we come in and we can tell you that. And if you're missing something that they're looking for, like we can help you add it back in and stuff like that. And so you don't have to, you shouldn't have to guess. That's the problem with the behavior is like most people are just guessing. It's like, ah, I have my answers. Hope this is good enough. And then fingers crossed, go into the interview. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, then you come out of the interview, you're like, oh, I thought that went well. Oh, crap, I didn't get the offer. Hmm, I wonder why. I don't know. Let me ask the interviewer for feedback. And then an interviewer doesn't give you any feedback, right? Because they're not, they're not incentivized <laughs> to give you constructive feedback. They don't care, right? Yeah. And, and then now you have another interview coming up, and you're like, hmm, like, should I use the same answers as the last time, but it didn't really work? Or should I change something? Okay, maybe I should change something. But like, what do I change? Because I don't see anything wrong with my answers. Okay, maybe I'll change this. And now you're tr doing like trial and error and you're changing random things and maybe you change the right things, maybe you don't. It's just not a good approach, right? Like, I mean, how many interview opportunities are you actually gonna have? Do you want to be experimenting with the interviews that you actually have? I mean, they're, they're so hard to come by already, right? I mean, like coming from, coming from a non-target school, like how many firms did you end up interviewing with? Uh, for me, I had five interviews uh, process total. Yeah, so definitely don't want to risk it, especially from non-target. If you're getting an interview, you definitely networked and had referrals to that place. And think about how many emails you're going to send. What is the percent response rate? And out of the responses, how many are phone calls? Out of those phone calls, how many are coffee chats? Out of those coffee chats, how many referrals? Out of the <laughs> how many are interviews? I've had um, referrals to a lot of top banks that didn't turn into interviews. We are in code right now. It's understandable. No coffee chats, things like that. Um, and it sucks. Like I did everything I can on the networking side. I had multiple referrals to some banks and just no first round. Uh, and it's really disappointing. My GPA is fine as well. It's, it's just, you know, non-target. They can't interview that many people and we're in COVID. So yeah, really cherish the interviews you have. Be prepared for them. By the time you start your first interview, you better like have half of it already memorized and like you've already done like 10 mock interviews. Maybe with just yourself. You can literally mock yourself as well, record yourself and listen to your own mock interviews. You sound very different if you hear yourself than through your own voice. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so you got five interviews, right? Which is like, if you were doing trial and error with these interviews, you know, like every interview that goes wrong, that's 20% of your opportunity set right there, right? And it's just like, how many iterations of trial and error would you have to go through before you finally perfect everything? Like five interviews might not be enough, right? And look, like if you didn't get an offer by your fifth interview, I'm sure you would have just kept interviewing and you probably would have gotten more interviews. But then like typically the longer it takes, the worse those opportunities become right because all the all the best firms again have been taken already also you like start don't you start feeling like uh your answers become like they, they, they're always your answers do you change them after a month of saying this answer you kind of like don't even want to change your answer anymore because you don't actually know if that's what's wrong and you already have this one memorized and remember guys like you have you have a lot of stuff to memorize and like all those behavioral stories plus technicals and then deals and each group they they're gonna ask different deals based on their group right their industry so you have to have that all memorized thoughts on the deal, possible follow-ups market economic like you don't have time to keep changing your answer like it's it's you, you can't yep yep absolutely um and you mentioned 
you talked about the networking funnel a little bit, like just to give people a sense of the scale or the magnitude of the effort that had to go into this, um, to get those five interviews, how many bankers did you have to reach out to approximately? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, half a thousand at least. So 500 at least, um, you know, I think it's pretty, if you're from non-target, unless you get really lucky, um, you pretty much have to do at least a couple hundred to, to do anything. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I had around 50 phone calls and then some of those became referrals. Some of them didn't. And then, yeah, that's basically where I am. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that because a lot of times I speak to students, um, especially from non-target schools where they'll tell me like, Oh yeah, I've reached out to, a lot of bankers already and I said, Oh, okay. How many? And they'll say, uh, 20 to 30. And to them, it feels like a lot because it's like, there's only like two alumni from my school or five alumni from my school that work in banking. And I've reached out to 20 to 30 people. So that's a lot. Right. And it's just like, no, actually that's not anywhere close to being enough. Right. And so it's like, you have to have, like you said, you, you probably have to reach out to hundreds of bankers and, like to do that, to do it at that, do things at that scale, like you need to have a system, right? It yeah. can't be like this haphazard thing of like, I don't know, like what most people do. Let me go on LinkedIn and just message everyone on there. And like, you, if you don't have a step-by-step system that you're following, then you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to hit those numbers. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was one of the biggest reasons I didn't start with LinkedIn messaging because you kind of start losing track. Um, I knew from the start because I'm not hard to get how many emails I had to send. So from the start, it was Excel sheet per bank name. And then on each sheet, the name, the, the when I emailed them, how many times I emailed them, when they responded, did we have a phone call? And you just have sheets of pages of just who you've emailed from what bank. Uh, and you start to see patterns. And I think that's really important. Uh, to see these patterns and become more efficient at emailing. Uh, eventually it came to the point where sometimes I would spend one day, like a couple hours for this and I wouldn't even send an email. I would set up my sheets for banks and then I would systematically each day spend five minutes, copy paste email, copy paste template, subject change, boom, boom, send, and then do this like a bunch of times. Um, so the setting up is actually the hardest part. So if you're just going on LinkedIn, finding people, scoring to page two, oh, I already did page two of this bank. Let's go to page three. Yeah. <laughs> that 500 times you're going to lose track of who you've messaged it's just it's too much right so that's why you got to use the excel right that's awesome um so i guess let's uh let's just kind of fast forward to the end um so you recently got your offer after going at it for what it must have been 10 11 months maybe yeah 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 so you 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 went through the grind for 10 11 months and ultimately um, can we tell people what outcome you were able to get? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, so I got uh, multiple offers and ended up going with uh, FD Partners. It's a bank focused in fintech, and I'll be in the New York office. I, I wanted New York, um, and they they let me choose that. Uh, I know their headquarters, I think, is San Francisco because they're tech, so it kind of makes sense. But I'm East Coast-based. I always wanted to go to New York, so that's where I'll be headed. That's awesome. I mean – FTP is, you know, we were talking about this before, before our call, but 
they're really, really good at what they do. They're, um, they're one of the best fintech banks out there. They compete with basically all the bulge bracket banks for fintech deals. And um, I think the founder came from Goldman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, former form head at Goldman. Yeah, so it's almost like a, it's a, it's a, it's like a more, it's almost like a more specialized elite boutique, but they just only do fintech, right? Um, but that that's awesome. I mean, I know they, I, I've had other clients I've interned there before. They get a ton of deal flow, um, which means you're gonna get a really, good, really, really good experience, and so that's amazing. So huge, huge congrats on that, man. Um, when you found out you got the offer, who was the first person you told? Um, it was not my parents because they weren't home. Uh, I think I just texted a bunch of friends who cared. Uh, I have a lot of friends. I'm pretty close with my high school friends, and a lot of them don't care about career. They actually make fun of me for spending so much time on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's working on career again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I told people who actually cared in recruiting as well. Um, another high school friend from another school. He was doing SMT at Bank of America. He got that. So we were talking about living together in New York if I got this offer, which I did. So I told him first, I think. Nice, nice. And what's the feeling now that you're done with recruiting? Like, how, how, how are you feeling? Or like, what's, the, what's that emotion, I guess? Like, are you, are you just like chilling now? Are you just relaxed? You're relieved? Like, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it feels great. I think... You know, recruiting being so early, it's a pain. You know, as a freshman, a sophomore, you kind of have to start studying stuff. That And, and for me, I knew I was going to have classes on some corporate finance eventually. So it's kind of like studying that before the class, which I'm going to learn anyway. So it's pretty frustrating. But the benefit of that is you have two years of senioritis, right? In high school, you got your college, college situation set. You had half a year. But now I have two years to do what I want. And it's great to set my stuff straight, um, you know, like ranging from eating healthier to sleep schedule to working out um, because you have so much time now. There's actually no excuse to, <laughs> to, to get that wrong. If I could recruit, then I could do all the other stuff, which is arguably less painful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, life is great right now. Just like so relaxed, getting my sleep in every day and just, doing <laughs> just make sure school GPA is high and then that's it. Yeah. That was awesome, man. I mean, it's a well-deserved break. You should definitely take it. You earned it. Um, let's make sure you get the return offer for full-time. So don't go too, don't go too senior right as yet, um, at least until you have the job. But, uh, but no, it's a, you, you're off to a great start, right? Again, especially coming from a non-target school, um, I think you overcame pretty tremendous odds, to be honest, to – get to where you are today and, and deservedly so because you know like all the things you talked about like the number of bankers you reached out to and you being like just leveraging all the downtime you had like you put everything you had into this process right and so i'm sure like being able to see see the fruits of your labor um that this has to be a very satisfying feeling um i guess just to wrap things up um if you could give just one piece of advice to other people, other students, maybe other students who also go to non-target schools um, and they're just starting to think about the investment banking recruiting process right now, because you started around this time last year, right? So say they're a year behind you and they're starting to think about this process now, like what's one piece of advice that you wish 
someone had given you back when you first started? Like something you know now that maybe you didn't know back then that would have made a big difference for you? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, personal to me, but I always viewed everything in terms of, of time. Like this exam, I need five hours to study for it. So I would have five hours guaranteed somewhere, no matter how far I push back. And I think when it comes to recruiting from a non-target school, there's so much stuff you have to have that it's kind of pointless to plan out how much time it'll take. You just kind of have to start. If you, if you know you're doing it, you start immediately. And I think it's, it's the, you know, you're, each person has a certain amount of willpower and how much they want to work. But as you get to do recruiting and, you know, after you do it for months, which you have to do, don't think you do it for two weeks, um, you're going to get better and it's going to be less pain. It's going to be easy. It's going to be like waking up, brushing your teeth and, all right, send my 10 emails and then read the news. And if you actually think about it, like if you set up the Excel, like I said earlier, like 10, 10 emails, like what, like five minutes and uh, read the news for 20 minutes. All right, that's it. And if you do that every day, 10 emails a day, like, I mean, you just get so much stuff done. I think the hardest part is just starting. You're like, oh, I have to network as if it's a big deal. And then you just slow down. So yeah, I would just say get started as soon as possible. And then it's like one week of pain and then you're good. You're going to be like on a roll. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is like, I mean, get started, don't get paralyzed, but also more importantly, like do the foundational work up front in terms of setting up a system and a process and being organized. And once you have that system or process, then it's just repeating it over and over and over again. It almost just becomes muscle memory, but you first have to have that roadmap or game plan so that you know what to execute on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, got it. That's, that's really, really good advice. Um, so awesome. So look, guys, uh, for those of you that are still listening, you know, I think uh, the, the, the main takeaways that I got from talking to you, Harrison, is that one, you know, especially coming from a non-target school, what's most important is really figuring out how to be as efficient as possible, right? Like how to really maximize the time that you have when it comes to your preparation. And that can mean a lot of things. That can mean setting out the right systems and processes in place so that um, you can do everything more efficiently and you have a repeatable process that you can just do over and over and over again. It becomes muscle memory. It could also mean um, just making better use of your time, like downtime, you know, when you're in a car, on a plane, whatever, in between classes, walking to classes, like, really squeezing every last job out of the time that you have so that you can get more done, right? Because you're going to have to be more productive and be more efficient than maybe your competition at these target schools. You have to, you have to be overprepared, right? You have to know more than they do. Um, and so all those things are really, really important. And then I think the other main takeaway that I got is just, look, you're not going to have a, a ton of opportunity, right? Like even for someone like you who reached out to 500 bankers, like you had five interviews, right? Which is, which is great. Five, five is like a decent number, but it's not, you're going to have unlimited interviews. And so you just, you don't want to be doing trial and error. You don't want to be experimenting with those opportunities. You want to make sure that you have the feedback that you need before you actually go into those interviews so that you're not guessing, right? So that you're, you're able to put your best foot forward with the opportunities that you're given. And if you can do that, then even if you come from a non-target school, 
you can end up with a very, very good offer. Um, and, and despite, despite the odds being stacked against you. Right. So hopefully that that's, I think Harrison give, give it, has given us a ton of really, really good advice, especially if you're a non-target school student. So hopefully you guys found this helpful. Um, if you guys are looking for, uh, someone to help you lay out that roadmap that you kind of need um, so that you can get started um, and so that you can really like use your time efficiently and just um, get as much done as possible in the small amount of time that you have for recruiting, then, you know, I want to encourage you guys to reach out and schedule a free strategy session with our team. You can do that by going to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Um, the street's abbreviated to ST. Again, it's www.wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, we'll be ha happy to hop on and talk to you about your recruiting situation and what your goals are and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And also, what challenges you're currently having? What are you struggling with? And, you know, at a minimum, we can just give you some advice on what we think we should, uh, you should do um, or, you know, if it's a really good fit and we feel like we can help you get a great outcome, then we can discuss what that might look like as well. So, um, Harrison, again, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and giving us so much valuable insight on, you know, what you've learned throughout your process. And again, huge congrats on, you know, getting a phenomenal offer from FTP and, um, I'm super happy for you and you worked super hard and you earned this and you deserve it. And so um, best of luck with your summer internship. And uh, obviously, you know, let's stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. I'm sure you won't be. And I uh, look forward to seeing the success that you have going forward, man. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, dude. Well, uh, you know, uh, for everyone else that's listening, thanks for tuning in and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll be back with more of these in the near future for you guys and uh, talk to you guys later.